called Belong. And what we're talking about are seven things that we all have in common. And this morning, we're going to talk about one of the more confusing ones of the list. Uh, we've been talking about this idea that Peter has given us a list of things. If you wanted to do a quick self-diagnosis of how am I doing with my relationship with God, you could look at this list. And when you look at lists in the Bible, one of the temptations is to think that it has an order of importance. Sometimes we'll do that. Some people do that with the gifts of the Spirit, and they'll put them in order. And then and the Bible does reference that some are more important and all this kind of stuff. But sometimes you'll get into a place where one builds on the other, and sometimes that's hard to really draw a connection to. But in this particular list, they build on each other. And no matter where you are in the list, it's not a completion. It's just a reminder of things that we would be working on. Maybe little indicator lights in our lives, in the engine of our soul to go, you know what? I need to work on that. And so if you look at the list, it basically goes like this. You start out with faith. That's anyone who has a faith in Jesus who's kind of started out this relationship following God. It's a journey. And so you begin this idea of faith. And the second thing that happens is goodness. Now, goodness is just right living. It's doing the right thing. It's making the right decisions. It's when something comes down the line, you, you, you choose the right way instead of the wrong way. That's just goodness. And then you figure, well, man, I, I, I have my faith and I'm trying to do the right thing. Um, I need to learn more. And that's the next thing in the list, knowledge. And it's not just knowledge of information. It's knowledge of who Jesus is and where he's pointing out in your life little things that need to keep working towards your goodness. And so then you get to knowledge. And then you have knowledge and you go, oh, I have a whole new list of things that Jesus would have me do or not have me do. And then that ties into self-control. You can kind of see how the list goes along. You start with faith, then you go to goodness, and then you go to knowledge, and then you go to self-control. And then you go, wow, how long can I be self-controlled? Well, the next one is perseverance, right? And then we get to the one we're going to be talking about this morning. So let's review real quick 2, Tim, 2 Peter 1.3. Why is this even important uh, as we move forward? And here's the verse, probably the main verse. His divine power has given us everything we need pertaining, uh, everything uh, we need for life and godliness. Now, it just so happens that godliness is also in the list, and it's the thing we're going to be talking about this morning. Godliness. It's not really a word that you use any other time other than in church and in the Bible. Like, and we might say to somebody, like, uh, they're a godly man or they're a godly woman, but what does that really mean, and how is that any different than good? goodness. Well, we're going to be talking about that. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness through our knowledge, which was also in the list, through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. In other words, God has called you in this journey to follow him if you're a follower of Jesus and in this journey, there's this place you can go, this list, to keep on looking at your life and going, okay, I'm doing this pretty well. Is there any more knowledge I need? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well in self-control. I'm able to handle this part of my life. But then through my knowledge of Jesus and his calling, there's another part of my life I want to get a handle on. And so we keep referring back and back and back. And that gives us everything we need for life and godliness. Why? 
Through these, he has given us his great and precious promises so that you may participate in the divine nature. That there's an eternal part of who you are, your soul, that God wants you to participate in as you're just going around normal life. But we can participate in the night. Uh, divine nature and escape the corruption in the world by evil desires. And when we see something like evil desires, we think of the most evil. We think of murder and, you know, stealing things and just real abuses of power. But really, all this is is just a juxtaposition to Jesus. Whatever is not Christ-like, those would be the evil desires. Then he goes into the list And then after the list, he says this, if you possess these qualities, faith and goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, and what we're going to talk about today, in increasing measure, in other words, you don't have to be frustrated if you're not there yet. It's all a process. You keep going back to the list. You keep going back to the gym, if you will. You keep going back to the word of God. You keep going back, like we talked about yesterday, every day, going before your heavenly father, Lord. You've seen my life. What would you have me change? How would you have me treat people differently? Is there any sin in my life that needs to be removed? You will not be ineffective or unproductive in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, What's the list? Here it is. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge uh, self-control, to self-control perseverance, right? And there we go. His divine power is... Okay, now what do we mean by goodness? It's this Greek word. Now, typically, if you know me and you've listened to the the sermons, I don't usually go into the Greek too much because it gets a little geeky and it's kind of hard to follow. But this is really important. This idea, godliness. We have been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. That Greek word, eusebia, right, is only used around nine or ten times in the New Testament. Peter uses it and Paul uses it. And it's different than just if you did a search for the English word godliness. This is a specific word. And this is really important as it comes to the list. Every time this particular Greek word shows up in the Bible, or at least most times, it talks about the end. Either eternity, heaven, your own personal death, however long you're living. There's something about godliness This particular word that's tied to the end. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us. Okay, So let's take a look at this particular um, uh, idea. Now, for this very reason, uh uh-oh, it's going back. Man, this is a tough one, huh, this morning. I'll get it. Okay, there we go. For this very reason, make every effort. Here's the list. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness. But what does godliness mean? Honestly, think about it. What is godliness? Doesn't it just mean holiness? 
Uh, except well, when you look at this word, it will say godliness and holiness or godliness and righteousness. There's something about godliness that is different. And I believe, and I don't want to make too big of a deal out of it, but I believe this idea of godliness can change, can be a deal breaker when it comes to, or game changer when it comes to your relationship with God. I just want to change one perspective you have this morning that I'm hoping this particular word word will do it. So godliness. So what is godliness? Well, I was thinking about it this week and I thought about what is manliness? Okay, right? Like what is, what is just any leanness? So we, we hire a, um, uh, I always want to say rent a cop, but it's basically security that comes by three times a night at Living Spring. And um, I know all the kids in the neighborhood. And so I get this report about when they come, they give me a report of like, what did they see? Okay, there was nobody sleeping on campus. There was no graffiti. There was no this. I got a report this week, two days ago, that said there was some youth on campus, which is like, that's called every day. And they were trying to tear down one of the tarps in the patio. I'm like, that doesn't sound like any kid I know like Friday, there were 14 kids on campus, okay? I know all of them. None of them would tear the tarp down. So I go to our cameras on, uh, I, we have cameras on campus. Uh, and I go and look, and what was happening? What was happening was they had thrown a bat, they had bounced a basketball, it went on the tarp, and they were trying to hit the basketball off the tarp, right? Now, why did that person say they were trying to tear the tarp down? Because in his culture, <laughs> the culture of Security guard, youth destroy things. That's what they do. So when he showed up on campus, he saw them all touching the tarp. They must be trying to break it down because that was his culture. Now, we move from youthfulness to, let's say, manliness. What does it mean to be manly? Well, nowadays, you know, there's just all sorts of different reasons. Here, if you're a part of this tribe, this is uh, the uh, Vanuatu land diver. To be a man in this culture, you start off on this tower and you jump with vines on your legs and you start off real small. And then as you become more manly, the higher you get. So the conclusion is I would never be a man in this culture because I'm too frightened. I'm frightened of heights and I don't really like vines tied around my neck. In this particular culture, Madhujara, rite of passage, they, the reason there's so many men right here is because they circumcise you when you're in your 20s. So you need a lot of people holding you down, okay? So that's just the, the reality of it. I would not be a man in this particular culture. I would have to find another culture. In this culture, so Terry Maui in Brazil, um, you put your hand in a glove of fire of bullet ants, and you, right, exactly, right? You said, ew, which is if I were like 20 in this, I would, could not be a man in this particular culture because, no, I don't like ants, number one. I don't like pain, number two. Um, and so here's what a bullet ant looks like, by the way. Um, those are his little pinchers there. Yeah, that's not going anywhere near my hand. But that's the culture of what we would call manliness, and in our culture, like, it, only, it gets even more confusing because I'll bet your family of origin, they had an idea of what manly was, right? 
And it might be what you think it is now, or you might think it was ridiculous. I have a friend, this is a legit dude, educated, everything. He thinks men should drink their coffee black. That's just the thing for him. That's what men do. Like, I'm in my Bible, I'm like, I, it's not in here, right? Like, like drink your coffee. You might have something else in your, in, your, in your family. Maybe in your family, men don't cry, right? What, that's, that's manliness. Men don't, men don't cry. Maybe you're in a, like, super progressive family, and it's like, man, in our family, we don't even say man or woman is just everybody's equal. That's, that's fine. But isn't it, it's kind of arbitrary, right? That's how I feel about godliness, is that each denomination has their own form of godliness. Each family of origin has their own form of godliness. Like, what does it mean to be godly? I'm going to make it as simple as I can for you this morning. And I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that this week, your thought process is going to change. Here's the reality of it. For the flesh, which is just me as a dude, all my brain and everything, my flesh, my desires, just kind of what makes me who I am, it desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. And so my flesh wants to have its desires filled. That's just the way I was created, okay? It's my brokenness. In my brokenness, I want what I want. It says, Further, that they're in conflict with one another, with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. And so you'd think, yeah, that's kind of godliness. Like, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the thing appropriate for the, um, the circumstance. And so when you take this word godliness, eusebia, and you kind of analyze it, and you analyze it in its context, most of the time it's used in Timothy. Now, the reason we call it Timothy is because the Apostle Paul had written a letter to this guy, Timothy, who was a pastor. And so when you read Timothy, you read it in the context of a mentor, of a pastor, of an apostle, trying to give information to a young pastor, hey, these are the things that are important to you, uh, that should be important to you. So he goes on like this. He says this in 1 Timothy 4. Have nothing to do with godless myths, and old wives' tales. Now, again, you can kind of think, well, that's kind of sexist. Uh, I, I think New American Standard says, and, and stories fit only for old women or something like that. But whatever. It's, I didn't write the Bible, okay? It's just what was in there. So, so you might think, oh, boy, that's, that's, like, that's old. You know, it's not just that. Women, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with what are you being distracted by? And that maybe godliness can change your focus just a little bit so that you're not distracted by those things. Old wives' tales. Rather, he says, train yourself to be godly. And again, all of us can go, oh, okay, that means you don't smoke, uh, you don't drink, uh, don't dance, don't, 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 don't. Train yourself to don't is essentially what you might read in this. Paul writes to Timothy, hey, don't waste your time with a bunch of nonsense. Train yourself to don't, okay? That's not godliness. Godliness isn't don't. That's righteousness or holiness, which is just being set apart, 
living your life in a way uh, with as little sin as you possibly can until we are spending the eternity with Jesus. Train yourself to be godly. And he goes on. He says, for physical training is of some value. In other words, bettering yourself here on earth whether it's physical training, whether it's saving for retirement, whether it's um, making sure you eat the right things, all those things. For physical training, it is of some value. But godliness, godliness has value for all things. Godliness changes every aspect of your life. Godliness changes your relationships. Godliness, hopefully, by the time we get done this morning, changes the way you look at your circumstances. Even if they don't change. Godliness changes the way you look at life. Okay? Change your, uh, but godliness has value for all things. Watch. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. What did I say? I said most of the times that Greek word is used, it's tied into eternity. Here's what godliness is. It's very simple. Godliness is having a kingdom perspective. Godliness is having an eternal focus. Godliness is this. In every situation I face, in every context I'm living in, I know in the back of my mind, this isn't it. This isn't it. This isn't just it. Remember, physical training, financial stuff, that's all good for this life. We want to live this life that way. But in the back of a godly person's life, they go, I'm only here for a short time. I'm 54. Uh, Lisa and I just celebrated 32 years of uh, being married. And um, thank you for that. Uh, one Corey clapping. That was great. No, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Corey's like, how does she stay with him? I don't, not sure. <laughs> right, yeah. So, right? Look, I've probably only got, whether Jesus comes or not, let's say he comes in the next decade. I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus. If he does not, and I live for another, oh, I don't know, 50 years. I make it to 104, which is what I'm banking on, right? I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus. Godliness is an eternal perspective. It reshapes everything you're doing. In other words, if you go back to the list, I have this faith in Jesus. And it changes my life. It there shows up in goodness, right living, making the right decisions. And then I begin to dive into these things to learn more. Whether you can do that, all sorts of stuff. Lisa's starting a women's Bible study. As we mentioned this morning, the McDonald's are doing this great Bible study before uh, service that you can jump in on. Knowledge is very, very important. And then when I get knowledge, I need self-control to be able to change my life, right? And then that doesn't just end in a week. I need perseverance. And you say, well, how do I persevere? Godliness. It's your perspective. If you think that the only thing in life is you are born, you get as much out of it, and you die, that's not life. That's not what you were created for. That's not godliness. 
that's just humanity. That's humanness. That's just uh, carnality. It's just who we are in the flesh. As we read in Galatians, the flesh sets itself against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So what godliness does, godliness is that perspective that comes into everything. I can't stand my job. Well, I, I love my job. Just to be clear, that was that, for, you know, whatever. That could have been terrible. You might say, I hate my job. Okay. Let's look at that through a godly lens. How does what you do in your job shape eternity? Well, it doesn't. I was just kind of hoping I'd get a raise. Okay, well, maybe your job isn't the most important thing that God would have you worried about. What, how godliness, how an eternal perspective comes in. Here's what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6. These are the things you're supposed to teach and insist on, he tells Timothy, young pastor. Get this down. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, listen to this, they're conceited and understand nothing. So here's the point he's trying to make. If my focus is just on me, and just on what I'm going to get out of life, and what's fair, and what's not, and I have this mentality, this scarce resources mentality, where it's like, oh, if, if, if he gets the position, then I won't get the position. If my focus is solely on me, and what I'm getting, and how my life is going to be portrayed to others, I'm conceited, and I understand nothing. Listen to this. Okay, don't look at this right now. Does this not describe today's culture? Listen to this. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies. I should have broken this out so that you wouldn't cheat and look on. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies. That's basically America, right? I mean, you're on one side or the other. And if you're on one side, you have an unhealthy, not you personally, because it's Living Spring, we don't have a problem with this. This is every other church, not ours. Ours is amazing. If you're watching online, you're like, oh, what is he talking about? This is other places. No, we all do. We have an unhealthy interest in controversies. Spend all sorts of time on social media reading about this and that and what happens if this happens and what happens if this happens and we wrung our hands and what if this person gets in the office? And That's not godliness. That's not godliness. It's carnal. It's if that person doesn't get into office, then What? We're gone in 50 years. I am. You're not. You'll probably make it longer. Listen to what this commands. Quarrels. Words that result in envy. Quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions. I think they're conservative. I think they're a liberal. And constant friction between people of a corrupt mind. Now, you might think to yourself, ah, my mind's not corrupt. Because we think of corrupt as evil intentions. And, you know, we're trying to fool people and trick people and get our way. And that's a corrupt mind. A corrupt mind is just anything that enters in that isn't godly. It doesn't have an eternal perspective. Jesus had this perfectly. Watch Jesus when he goes through life. And he tells his disciples, ah, don't worry about what man can do here. Don't worry about that, you guys. You worry about God, who's in charge of your soul. 
That's godliness. That's an eternal perspective. When Jesus gets before Pilate, right, the first, I mean, the perfect time to defend himself, to be right, he's silent. He's silent. That's godliness. Because he knows, I'm going to be, uh, Philippians says it this way. Uh, Although he existed in the form of God, right? He did not regard equality with God something to be held on to, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. Why? Because he knew he was going back to heaven again. That's godliness. That's the eternal perspective. That's how we can persevere. So we go from faith to to goodness, to knowledge, to self-control, to perseverance, to godliness. I can make it through this because I have a heavenly father that loves me that I'll be spending eternity with my heavenly father they have a corrupt mind who've been robbed of the truth and think that godliness is a means to financial gain now I wish Paul didn't use financial gain because uh, not because well he should because the Holy Spirit told him to but but this is just an example of what Paul is talking about he, he's afraid that people are going to use godliness as a little seasoning to their life. Ah, I go to work. Things get tough. I pray to God. That's the godly thing to do. I feel better. I'll just add it. I'll add it to my relationships. I'll add it to this. Oh, if, I, if, I, if, I'm, if I make the right decisions and I do the right things, maybe it'll work out better financially for me. Paul's saying... It's a whole mindset shift of why are you here? What is your life amounting to? See, what godly people do, it's not so much do I smoke or not, or that's goodness and righteousness and holiness. This is eternal perspective. Who have been robbed of the truth, and they think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness, listen, with contentment is great gain. Here's what godliness is supposed to do. Because you have an eternal perspective, a perspective of that I'm here for another reason other than just myself, that I'm here to serve others. I do what Jesus did on the night that Jesus was betrayed, right? He knew that all power had been given to him, and he knew he was going back to the Father. In other words, he knew he won. He was in the position of power. He won. And what did he do? Well, he has an eternal perspective. So he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he got on his knees, and he washed the disciples' feet. Why? Because when you are a godly person, when you have an eternal perspective, listen, you always use your position of power in order to serve. See, the problem we have today in just humanity, not just America, but anytime you have someone who comes into a position of power because they've achieved their goal of wanting to be in a position of power, you are going to be failed. They are going to fail you because they're not designed to be able to do that. A godly person, and I'm not talking about 
how you vote, a godly person enters into a position of power, whether they're male, female, young, old, white, black, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. They enter a position of power and say, look, I'm only here for a short time. How can I serve? Now imagine if you go to work this week and you step through those doors and you're not thinking, how can I get that promotion? You're thinking, look, I only have a little bit of time left. I'm going to try to insert as much of the Holy Spirit and as much of Jesus in this organization as I possibly can. And if that's at my expense, then it's at my expense. Contentment. Godliness with contentment. I have enough. I don't need to strive. If, if I retire and our family lives in this tiny little house for the rest of our lives, even if we could even afford a house, but it doesn't even matter, it's an eternal perspective. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Watch what he says. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. A godly perspective looks and says, not what does my bank account say? A godly perspective says, how am I spending my money to advance the kingdom the best I can? Can I buy a new car? Absolutely you can. All that stuff. We get too caught up into the micromanagement of it. It's just, look, I've only got so much time left on this earth. We brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Why is that? Because I got a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to spend eternity with him. Like, do I, I need a bigger house for that? No, I'm, I'm out of here in a few decades. And even if you're like in your 20s or you're young, if you start this perspective now, life changer. You will save yourself a whole lot of grief of having to strive to get your way. Do you work hard? Of course. Do you do all the things as though you're living on a real planet with real people? Absolutely. But your perspective, if it's eternal, if it's godly, it changes everything. And you can be content, Paul tells us, with just food and clothing. Almost seems impossible, doesn't it? He goes on, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires. You could, you could exchange rich for anything you want to do on this planet that you think is going to bring meaning and purpose. Those who want to get fit, like, you could be the fittest person of your age. I hate to break it to you. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. You're like, but I'm the fittest person. I'm the fittest 40-year-old that has ever walked the face of the earth. I'll see you in 50 years. <laughs> right? You just fall into a trap. I want to be the richest. I want to be Jeff Bezos. I want to fly rockets. Okay, there's another way I can't be a man. I am not getting on a rocket. Okay, so if that's your thing, I'm not a man. I no manliness for me. But you could insert anything here. If you want to be rich, if you want to be smart, if you want to be popular, if you want to have all sorts of Instagram friends or followers or whatever, you're going to fall into a trap. Why? Because the perspective's wrong. It's not a godly perspective. It's not an eternal perspective. You fall into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And there's so many examples. You just go on the internet, you'll find them all, right? 
For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, again, I, I wish he wasn't spending so much time just on finances because none of us are like rich in here. Oh, maybe we are. Maybe when you take the entire globe into account, maybe we're really rich. <gasps> maybe this might actually be us. For the love of money. Now, listen, just so you can see this. This is one of the most misquoted verses, right? The way it's misquoted typically is money is the root of all evil, right? You've probably heard that before. Money is the root of all evil. That's not true. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, okay? So money isn't evil. It's the love of money. It's when you take your godliness in your eternal perspective and you push it off to the side and you say, I need to have this right now. Those are corrupt desires. Evil money have wandered from the faith, of course, we've seen this, and pierced themselves with many griefs because their perspective was wrong. Their God was money instead of God. They're not going to spend eternity with money. They're going to spend eternity with God. But you, man of God, godly man, a godly woman, he happens to be writing to Timothy. So just because it says man doesn't mean he's just pre preaching to men. If Timothy was a woman, he would say, you woman of God, it doesn't matter. The point is flee. Flee. Now, you say, oh, oh, do I quit my job? No, it's a perspective. It's a mindset. It's a kingdom perspective. God said it this, Jesus said it this way. Right when he showed up, Right when he showed up, what did he say? The kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. I'm about to show you what it's like to live life the way you were designed to live with this kingdom perspective. He says, you, oh man, flee from all this. Don't worry about those things. You're in the world, uh, the Bible says, but not of the world. And pursue righteousness. Okay, there we are. There's your right living, holy, righteous. We got all that. You do pursue it. Oh, and godliness. That eternal perspective that you're going to be spending eternity if you're a follower of Jesus and you, that's, you, you, you say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I want to be cleansed of my sin. And you begin that journey of following Jesus. You're going to fight this good fight of faith. Listen. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Guess what? Timothy's not dead yet. Paul's telling Timothy, hey, that eternal life that you're expecting, grab it now. That's godliness. That's godliness. Are you going to spend it? Listen, th this might be super harsh. Putting all justice issues aside, our denomination is, was founded on the five freedoms, five justice issues. I'm not talking about those. But honestly, if you read something in the news today or tomorrow that rocks your faith, you need to go back to the list. You need to begin to refocus on why am I here? What am I trying to accomplish? What does this have to do with eternity? The job you're in, the neighborhood you're in, the family you're in, you're there for a reason. To bring an eternal perspective into your conversations. If you're in a position of power, if you're a manager, if you're in some place where you have anyone quote unquote under you, 
you have to please get a godly perspective or else you're just going to abuse the people below you because it's going to be all about you. And that's not godly. Take hold of that eternal life to which you were called when you made good, uh, your, your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, just grab it. You guys, we've only got a little bit of time. Press into Jesus. Press into those things. And watch your perspective change as you move forward. Now, this doesn't happen overnight. It happens in little increments until you get trained. Remember, it says in, in 2 Peter, you're supposed to pursue all these things. As the worship band comes up, I'll end with this. I really hope I've made sense this morning. Peter says it this way uh, in, uh, later on after the list. And this basically just brings it all home. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Honestly. Since it's all going to burn, it's all going to change, whatever, even if, even if you don't believe the Lord's going to come in the next, you know, I, I'm, I was meeting with somebody uh, just recently who honestly believes that the Lord is coming September of 2022. Um, they have it all mapped out. That's great. That's great. So, how does it change your relationships? How does it change how you live? Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Right living with goodness, righteousness, and holiness, and then an eternal perspective that it's not just about the here and now. Jesus says it this way, when you give a cup of cold water to somebody, you've done it unto me. Let me pray for us. We're going to take just a little bit of time to end with a song. And um, Godly living and kind of godliness, it comes at these little increments. And my prayer, my only prayer for you this week is that I would just put a little seed in your mind that this week you're in a meeting and they say, maybe they announce, and so-and-so is our new manager. And you're like, you have to be out of your mind. I helped them tie their shoes this morning. And now they're the manager, right? Godliness stops you and says, hey, a new situation has been presented to you. How are you going to handle it? in light of eternity. So we're going to end with this song. I'm hoping you'll just listen to the Lord. I'll come back up and give us a blessing. Lord Jesus, oh, we're so thankful that you modeled this so clearly, so clearly. Every conversation you had, every time you were talking to the disciples, you were modeling this eternal perspective that you have a heavenly Father that's not of this world. And that's who you're interested in pleasing. Lord, I pray we hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me go ahead and stand for the blessing if you're not standing yet. Those of you who are watching online, now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you go in his presence, in his peace.
peace and in his joy with his eternal perspective as we enter the week. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.